For our second message today, we have a full sermon from Mr. Lawrence Gregory entitled, In the Last Days. Mr. Gregory. Good afternoon. Some people wonder, what will it be like in the last days? Books, movies, television, religion gives a confusing description of what they think it will be like in the last days. What does the Bible say? That is, what does God say about in the last days. We have a lot of descriptions of a good, positive portrayal of blessings on good conduct of righteousness, and also a description of concerning caution, warnings of discipline on those of bad conduct. Now, this phrase in the last days, covers a period of time as defined in the scriptures in three ways. First is the end time just before Christ returns. That's in our day. Second is the beginning of the millennium after Christ returns and sets up his government. And the third period is after 1100 years after Christ returns, just before a time that's called the new heavens and new earth. That is, and we'll see that a little later, the time when this earth and sky, the heavens, are purified and cleansed and made new. Now, keep in mind, we have a number of scriptures. We can't uh, exhaust every one to describe those three separate times in full. That's a longer, much longer Bible study. And there are other things that I'll touch on that we can't touch on today for time's sake. We have in past years and will in future years with uh, charts and diagrams and time frames more fully expound some of those uh, three periods that concern in the last days, that phrase that occurs in the scripture. Now, our first scripture reference is uh, in the Psalms. I'd like us to consider a few things here. Uh, there are a couple of references here that Brian has uh, that we'll see on the screen and a couple that I'll just read that uh, I've given him but uh, probably not uh, list. But my first uh, reference here is in Psalm 119, verse 89 beginning. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Verse 90, thy faithfulness is unto all generations. Thou hast established the earth, and it abideth. Verse 91, they continue this day according to thine ordinances, for all are thy servants. They continue, the heaven and earth continue to today according to God's law, according to his direction, according to his ordinances that he established back in the beginning in Genesis, the first chapter. We've talked about that. Now, just to help us a little bit, let's uh, go to uh, Jeremiah, 
the uh, 31st chapter here, and uh, beginning in verse uh, 35, let's read a few verses here. Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. And he gives one of these, the biggest little word in the English language, if, one of these many occurrences throughout the scriptures, if those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. So God says if something happens that uh, the sun and the moon and the stars uh, stop their orbits and everything just collapses and everything, if that can happen, then Israel will not be before me forever. Verse 37, Thus saith the Lord, If heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel forever, or for all that they have done, saith the Lord. Now, we have a few scientists that have explored a little bit of the uh, environs of the depths of the earth, but there's a lot we don't know about what goes on underneath, underneath the continents, underneath the shelf. We, we can understand a little bit. Uh, we know a little bit about the stars, we know a little bit about the sky, about the atmosphere, but we haven't fully exhausted. So what he's telling us is that if you can fully examine all of those things, then you could know all everything about God. And God would not be able to be as almighty that he is and bring about his word. And uh, if that could happen, then Israel would just come to kaput and be nothing, and his word would mean nothing. So... We have uh, a number of references, and there's another one. Uh, let's just go to it real quickly. In uh, Jeremiah, the uh, 33rd chapter, we'll just turn over there and read a couple of verses. Uh, beginning in verse 25, Jeremiah 33, beginning in uh, verse 25. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, saying, Consider you not what... This people have spoken, saying, The two families which the Lord has chosen, He's cast them off. Thus they have despised my people, that they should be no more a nation before them. Thus says the Lord, If my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. When he says, I'll cause their captivity to return, I'll bring them out of captivity. God has promised, even though, and this is a separate story here, uh, we're not going to get into that, even though God has promised discipline and judgment on the house of Israel and Judah and all of the uh, things that accompany those nations because of their disobedience, God's going to discipline and punish them for a period of time, but then he's going to visit them later and have mercy and bring them out of captivity and bless them and, and uh, resettle them. And uh, we have other uh, studies that will exhaust that. Now, uh, there are a couple of other uh, verses that uh, uh, I don't know if uh, uh, Brian will put these on the screen or not, but let's go back to the book of Psalms. 
Psalm 1-4, and uh, we'll read here Psalm 1-4, verse 5, 104, verse 5. Who makes his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, verse 5, who laid, this is talking about God and what he's done, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. God established the earth that it should not be removed forever. And then in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 4, one generation passes away, and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. So this earth is going to be here forever. God has created it and established it. It's the apple of His eye. The focus of God is not on Mars or outer space. Uh, you know, He takes care of those. He upholds all those things by the word of His power, by His Holy Spirit. But His interest is on the earth and what's happening here among humans that he's created in his image on this earth. This is where his, his focus is and his interest. Yet, not because of uh, a conflict of scriptures, we read something else here that uh, we, is, is interesting to us. We'll see in Isaiah, the 65th chapter, a few verses here, Isaiah 65, and uh, verse 17, already there. I guess I could just look on the board. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. And the second scripture we'll read here in uh, Second Peter. Verse 13, nevertheless... We, according to his promise, look for new earth and heavens, a new uh, heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Back in Isaiah the 66th chapter and verse 22, For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. So we have here, God tells us that it'll never be removed. He's created it forever, yet He's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Now, this is what He means by that, and we, can, we won't take a, a number of other scriptures. I'll just explain that He's going to cleanse and purify and make new this earth and the heavens, the sky. Now, we know there's three heavens in the scriptures. That's the sky, the atmosphere, the cosmos, the heavens out in the universe, and then God's throne. And certainly God is not going to have to redo and remodel heaven where his throne is. You know, he's already kicked the devil out and sin, and he's, he allows some intercourse with him over time. But this earth and this sky is going to, you know, there's a lot of uh, pollution. There's a lot of trash. There, they say that there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of pieces of debris in our sky and outer space. And every now and then one of those uh, satellites or uh, one of those uh, parts that's uh, exploded or uh, all of the things that they've sent up, you know, will come to crashing to earth. But there's a lot of trash and they try to keep track of that. But uh, 
That's all going to be cleansed and purified. So just as we, human beings, have a lot of sin and a lot of trash and a lot of evil in our light, we can be made new, we can be cleansed, we can be purified, right? We can be made new, a new creature, a new being before God. It's just the same body, same person, same personality, but cleaned up and modified. So this earth and the heavens are going to be cleansed and purified and uh, made uh, new and holy for those who are going to be righteous and dwelling there forever. And uh, then, as we saw in the first message, uh, God's promise in Revelation, of course, we've touched on this so many times, is that when He comes and when He wraps it all up, He's going to give every one of uh, His saved according as their work shall be, according to what they're going to do in, in eternity. And so this new heaven and new earth is going to be cleansed and purified for those uh, righteous sons of God. Now, another point here. Let's consider some uh, positive words. And uh, some of these references I'll try to uh, note of whether the first, second, or third application of in these days, whether it's uh, in our current time before Christ returns or after the millennium begins, when uh, in those days when things are describing what it's going to be like for a thousand years and beyond, and then after the 1100 years after the great white throne judgment, the third reference, when it's all wrapped up and finished, when God is going to establish a new heavens and a new earth. Okay, uh, let's go to uh, some positive words here we'll consider back in Isaiah the uh, second chapter, Isaiah, the second chapter, and uh, verse 2 through 4. We are so familiar with these words here. We read them time after time, and they're repeated uh, very similar to this in Micah. Uh, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his ways, in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations, and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their uh, spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. And so this is a time in the last days, after the millennium starts, when Christ has established his kingdom and sets up. So number one and number two are very close together. And so you have to look at a lot of scripture when it says in the last days. Is he talking about in our time before he comes or after he comes and establishes and does those things? Or is he talking about a future time, 1100 years, when it's all wrapped up and finished? His plan and purpose to bring many sons unto glory and the purpose of salvation through his seasonal plan that is uh, explained by the holy days. So we have a good grasp of that because modern Christianity in the world and, and uh, those who reject 
like we heard earlier, Jesus and Christ in the New Testament, they're confused. They've got all kinds of weird ideas. And I don't watch them, I don't see them, but on television, the commercials are showing are some of the weirdest movies. And uh, just trashy stuff that's, that's from the imaginations of man and the influence maybe by the devil of what they think it's going to be like in the future. Well, it's not going to be like that. What we need to do is look at the Bible, look at God's Word. His Word is established forever. His Word tells us what it's going to be like in the last days, in these end times. Now, uh, in the last days, when Christ comes, sets up His kingdom, there's going to be a, a millennial time, we know, of peace and trans. But it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a few generations for the word to get out and for Christ to establish control and for those nations to come in subjection. There's going to have to be a little time when they're punished if they don't obey and don't send representatives to keep the Feast of Tabernacles to obey God's plan. Because if they keep the holy days, then they'll understand what God is doing. Right now, they don't know. They're confused. Uh, my wife had a call the other day, a few days ago, for a CGOM, a lady called in. And it was pretty obvious she finally identified herself that she was in the Methodist church. She didn't even understand about the Sabbath, the holy days. Uh, she didn't understand who and what we were. She knew she wanted some, somewhere she'd come across CGOM teachings, and she wanted literature. And so my wife is going to send her uh, a number of uh, pieces of literature to help her. And uh, she, she was just confused because she didn't understand. Well, that's the way a lot of the world is because they don't understand God's plan of salvation as explained through his holy days. Now, let's go to the New Testament in Acts, the second chapter. And uh, we'll read here in uh, beginning, uh, a few verses here, beginning in verse 15, Acts 15. where uh, Peter is uh, talking about the things that occurred on the day of Pentecost. These are not drunken, as you suppose, as the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit moved them and the things that they were hearing and the, pe the people observing around unconverted people that were seeing what was happening as God poured out His Spirit on those disciples. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that's a great benefit of what is happening leading up to before Christ returns. God is going to do uh, a lot of wonderful, marvelous, miraculous things in this earth preparatory to where he comes. He's going to prepare a people, and he's going to call, and he is calling out of all nations to be converted and to come into the knowledge of uh, what he is doing and, for, and, to, and to receive salvation. So that is a scripture in the last days that's describing what's going to happen just before he comes. So 
we can look as we're approaching that time closer and closer, we're going to see a lot more activity, evangelical and, and uh, prophetic activity and conversions. And uh, not just, you know, what little bit, maybe a few of us, a small number that we have in our congregation, but you magnify this work that God is doing around the world, and there's a great work of evangelism and conversion that's going to take place in future times just before he comes back. So let's go back now to uh, the Old Testament to another uh, chapter in uh, Genesis, the 49th chapter, and verse 1. Genesis 49, 1. We're not going to expound all of these verses here, but just this. Jacob called unto his sons, unto his sons, and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Now, it would be a good exercise, and, and not for today, but it would be a good exercise to identify those descendants of Jacob, those children of Israel, and Judah, and who they are, and where they are on the earth today. Because it's important to know that God has not turned his back, as we read in the New Testament, and totally rejected Israel, but for a time they have to go through their judgment and their discipline, but he's going to do some things in those nations, wherever they are on the earth, in this time, in this last days, just before Jesus Christ returns. So uh, I'd like to encourage us, separate from today, do some studies about identifying those children, descendants of Israel, uh, the Israelite nations. We say there are 10 tribes in Israel and two in Judah, basically Judah and the Levites were associated with them. Benjamin was associated with them. So uh, there are a number of nations that were the southern area of Judah that were assimilated. And like uh, Simeon was scattered throughout Israel. And the Levites were scattered throughout Israel. So, uh, but there are enough identifying signs to know where those peoples of uh, Israel are today. So I'll just leave that for a, another a separate uh, study. Now, I'd like us to consider some negative words of warning and judgment just to balance out our message today. And the first one in the New Testament in uh, 2 Timothy, if we'll go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verse 1 through 5, 2 Timothy 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, this is... Current times just before Jesus Christ returns and the second period of the last days. We'll say this is the first period preparatory to when Jesus comes. Listen to the description and see if this doesn't sound like today's world that is getting worse and worse. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, 
despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Nineteen descriptions of the work of flesh. Godly, righteous, converted, spirit-begotten, children of God. We should have nothing to do with any of this. We ought to turn from those and reject them and give disapproval to any that are in those categories. Because God has warned us that the righteous are going to suffer. Yeah, we, we're, we have to live on this earth. And Paul, you know, and uh, what he meant was, uh, you know, we have to come out of this world, but we not totally can't leave it. We, we can't go to the moon or Mars or whatever and escape it totally. We just have to get away from the influence of what's going on in the world. We have to live in it and face these things. Now, in, uh, while we're here in uh, the New Testament, turn on to uh, the uh, second uh, book of uh, Peter, Second Peter, and uh, chapter 3. We'll read a few verses here. Second Peter 3, verse 3. Now, here we have mixed in with this reading. I'll just for the first period and the third period kind of uh, blended together a little bit here. So, uh, knowing, in verse 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. This first part here has to do with the first, with our current time. And saying, Where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word, same word of God, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But behold, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, drop on down to uh, verse uh, 13. Uh, Nevertheless, concerning all of this and the interim and the things that's going to happen, the day of the Lord, the coming of uh, Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And so... There's a warning here of those that are not going to escape the judgment of God, just as in the days of Noah. Judgment was on them, but God delivered the earth out of that. And that's a real interesting story. And, uh, and also the first uh, creation, recreation, when he cleansed the earth and began to set up his ordinances of the moon and the stars and, and all of the things that he began to do back in Genesis 1 and, verse, and, and chapter 2, 1 and 2. But mainly after the days of Noah when he 
again, brought the earth out of that judgment and that discipline. And so there's a time coming in the future when there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth, when it's going to be finally cleansed and purged from all of the evil and all the sin and all of the unrighteousness. And you know, even after a thousand years, the devil is going to come back and try to pollute this planet again. He's up to his old tricks again, you know. He's been cast away for a thousand years during the millennium. But when he's released a little bit, what does he do? He goes out and tries to deceive those again that worshipped him in this life. And he tries to destroy again and, and attack God and, and come against the beloved city of God. But God's not going to tolerate it. He's going to finally send judgment upon him and his henchmen and all the evil. And everything is going to be cleansed and made new and fresh. That's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. So, now, in the last days... As you study this, as you go through uh, the Bible uh, in your own time, if you want to, you're going to find out there's some other phrases that are very uh, popular in the scriptures and are intermingled with this and overlap. And, and some of them refer to the same time, like, for example, uh, the time of the end. We read that in Daniel 8, 17, 11, 40, 12, 49, uh, the last time. And sometimes this phrase in plural, the last times. And uh, a, a reference there, 1 Peter 1, 5, 20 and Jude 18. You can look up some of those references. Or you have this phrase that we read occasionally in the scriptures, the latter time or the latter times. We're familiar with these. And that's in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And so uh, we see that basically we have a description of... Uh, the first period of time that is mostly what we're concerned about is uh, what is happening in our lifetime and uh, just preparatory to when Christ returns because he's going to establish and set up. He's going to take over. He's going to, it's not going to be us. It's going to be him. He's going to use us and uh, we'll be helping him uh, serve and minister throughout uh, the future times, those of us who are saved, the, the church of God, but it's going to be Christ and he's going to come angry and he's going to come in war and he's going to set up and take over contrary to what uh, man and the governments of men like and want and welcome. They won't like him. They won't, they'll think it's in, uh, something foreign to what they want because he's going to get rid of their private ways and establish things that are right and just and good. And boy, that's something that we really need and we really look forward to and rejoice in that. Now, uh, in closing here, uh, I have uh, some final words that uh, we can maybe carefully consider this. And um, I might say this, uh, remember I've told you this before. One time on the pulpit, uh, when the visiting minister was there, there was a little note that said, Blessed is he that gives a short message, for he shall be invited back. <laughs> so, uh, we... <laughs> We kind of keep this a little short today to stay within our time frame, uh, but I think I'll use up. We've got about 20 minutes left and uh, save some few minutes for the song, so I'll use up a little bit of that time, and maybe you'll invite me back again. So if I don't go over time, if we keep it short, and uh, uh, oh, well, I won't tell that. There's there's other things. Okay, we'll get on with the message today, and uh, stay on uh, track today. Okay, some final words that we want to uh, consider. Turn to Daniel, the 12th chapter. 
Daniel 12. Verse uh, 4 and 9 through 10. Verse 4. Just breaking break into uh, an important uh, words here from God to us. But you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Doesn't that sound like today? Knowledge increased. Men running to and fro. You just look at this earth and daytime and nighttime and the auto traffic and the air traffic and the, auto, the ship lines and uh, trains and just people are just going everywhere. Look, it's just traffic jams all over. And knowledge. Haven't we increased just in the generations of, of my lifetime? How much knowledge and understanding that we've accumulated that we didn't have before, scientific achievements and knowledge and understanding, uh, just uh, in so many different categories. Um, I have a little sympathy for the teachers who get asked questions, <laughs> and they don't know the answer because the questions are new, and they've got to do some research. Is that right, Rich? Sometimes you have to search and stretch your mind and go... Uh, I think I saw a commercial the other day that this teacher, he's going down the hallway and he said, I got 500 pages of, of reading that I require my students to read, but I don't make them all buy books. I just print it off on Kyocera uh, printing. He downloads it from the internet, true or false, whatever it is, and he gives it to students and he said, some of them don't even read it. And uh, that's the way we're living in the day of increase of knowledge and understanding of these things. But um, it's incredible times that we're living in. Verse 9 and 10. And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. The wise shall understand. Proverbs, the ninth chapter, verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Fear of the Lord. That's why the wicked can't understand. They don't fear God. There's no fear of God. Remember, just uh, it's so disheartening that this guy used his automobile and crashed into those Ten Commandments stone there in uh, the capital city and capital uh, area and destroyed that uh, Ten Commandments pillar that was erected and allowed by the government to be there. And the judge is going to see that it's restored. Because there's no fear of God. God doesn't exist. God, you know... But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Now, another scripture here, back up a little bit in Proverbs here, just, just a couple of these uh, references. 
There are so many that we could just exhaust and stay up here. It would be hours and hours of Bible studies exhausting this theme and this topic. But let's go to a couple of verses here in Proverbs, the second chapter, uh, verse uh, 6 and 7. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. Wisdom, the fear of God, making a right decision. Sometimes we lack in that when we try to do it on our own or work it out on our own or we leave God out of it. Whereas if we would look to Him and trust in Him to guide us, direct us, look to His Word, try to live our life according to that. Uh, and we all, uh, well, I, I can speak for myself, maybe not you, but many of us come short of that from time to time when we are running low on the Spirit of God and not really close to Him and trying to work things out on our own. But if we look to Him for wisdom, He gives wisdom to the righteous. He lays it up. And so we can say we're righteous. We keep the commandments. All of all the commandments, this is righteousness, is keeping of His commandments. And so those who keep the commandments, those who know God, those who are looking to Him, studying His Word, Gaining in knowledge and understanding of His Word and His will. We're growing in wisdom. We're growing in knowledge and understanding. So uh, that's, that's good for us. Bad for the world because they're going to suffer a lot of things because they've neglected God and they've ridiculed and scorned and scoffed and gone about to establish their own righteousness and left God out of their life. And so it's going to be a lot of suffering ahead for those people. And they have... A lot of our concern and a lot of our love and interest, I know, and, and uh, prayers for them that many of them will be converted and they'll escape that. Let's go to uh, the New Testament, some things that Jesus said here in uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter. This is the Olivet Prophecy, and um, he was asked, uh, you know, what would be the sign of his coming, and uh, what should be the sign of your coming, and of the end of the world. And Jesus responded and he answered. I'm just going to drop down to chapter four, uh, verse 14 and 15. Read these couple of verses here. So he's, he's laying out here uh, the beginning of sorrows. Uh, then going into from, in Revelation we have the uh, seven seals of Revelation. And Jesus, even though he prophesied and gave that word of testimony to John, he tells his disciples and he tells us in these Olivet prophecies that are covered in uh, Matthew and Mark and Luke that uh, his words are in agreement with those seven seals. And so he's covering here uh, leading up to the first four, the beginning of sorrows, and then he leads into the fifth seal, which is the great tribulation, and then the heavenly signs, the sixth seal, and then the day of the Lord, the seventh uh, trumpet or the seventh seal, uh, pardon me, uh, consisting the seventh trumpet, seventh seal consisting of seven trumpets, and the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet, consisting of those seven last plagues, seven last uh, angel blasts of those vials that are poured out. So uh, he's here right in the midst of this Olivet prophecy, and he tells us in verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So I'm looking with great anticipation and expectation and joy and uh, interest in how God is going to accomplish this. 
and how the gospel message is going to go to the whole world, as it is now in increasing power through the churches of God, the independent groups around this world that are, that are promoting that in many other nations. And we know this for a fact, but there's going to be a great increase in evangelical activity to the world and to these nations. They're going to hear and they're going to know this. They're going to reject it largely, but they're going to have uh, this preached to them for a witness. For a witness, a testimony. Notice, a witness, a testimony unto all nations. Not that they're necessarily going to accept and believe it. Many of them will, but they'll at least have it. Then verse 15. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, Stand in the holy place. Whoso reads, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. Woe to them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Pray that your flight be not in winter and Sabbath. And he goes on in verse 22. In those days, those time of the great tribulation, preparatory to... Uh, the time when Christ is uh, going to come. So he's going to come now. I'm not going to go into this, but there's a lot of things that we need to understand right here, and it would help us. In future studies, we will. We've gone over this in past. We, in our own studies, we know we have charts, we have diagrams, we're understanding of the prophecies of Daniel, the 70 weeks prophecy, and how that applies prophecies in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 26 of those times of 2,620 years that are going to be visited on Israel and Judah. We have the abomination of desolation, of what that signifies and when it's going to be set up. Jesus said right here that the abomination of desolation is going to be set up before the great tribulation. Now he comes after the, the fifth seal is the great tribulation. He comes after the seventh seal when it's completed. So He's several years beyond this setting up and establishing of the abomination of desolation. So uh, what does he mean and when does that occur and what is the Antichrist, the abomination of desolation, the uh, 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel, 2,620 days of uh, prophecies of um, Moses. Uh, what, what do those have to do with in the end days, in the last days that we're talking about? in the last days. So I'm going to leave that uh, with us today here because uh, we're not going to be able to have time to go into that. That, that requires uh, a lot of uh, study, intense study, and scripture references, and charts, and diagrams. And, um, you know, we, we can do that at some other time. So I'm going to close here with uh, a final scripture reference here in Proverbs, the 19th chapter. Let's go back there in the Old Testament. Proverbs 19. And I hope I've teased you enough to whet your appetite to really study and search out the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel, the 2620 year prophecies of Moses, and uh, to see how, and those uh, seven seals of Revelation, the Olivet prophecies of Jesus, his words, there is a lot there that will keep us from being confused. Right now there's so much confusion. Confusion. 
in the world and in the religious leaders. You listen to them. They have their own private interpretations. But God has said his word is established in the heavens. It's there. We need to learn it and we need to know it. And then we can have confidence that we're not going to be confused. They can say all that they want to uh, about it, but we won't be confused because we'll know, because we can understand with wisdom and the knowledge of God through His Spirit. We'll know the truth, and the truth will truly set us free. Well, closing reference here is in Proverbs, uh, let me get there, 19, verse 20. Proverbs 19:20. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter end. In these last days, listen, understand, know, and we won't be confused. We'll have wisdom. We'll know. We'll Listen to this again. Let me, let me just close with this. Hear counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter end. 